This is the Employee Experience in Education podcast, the teacher retention podcast for school leaders, and I'm your host, Eric Brainstetter. In this podcast, we'll speak with educational leaders, former educators, and industry experts to better understand the employee experience in education. Our goal is to equip school leaders with realistic and actionable strategies to keep more teachers in the classrooms. On this episode, we'll speak with Rebecca Carlisle, Assistant Director of Recruitment and Retention at Gwinnett County Public Schools. Today, Rebecca will share why you need to focus on elevating the voice of teachers if you want to retain more of your staff, and why giving teachers more responsibility might be the key to unleashing the potential of your team. All right, thanks so much for joining us today, Rebecca. I'm excited to hear about you and your journey for teacher retention. But before we get started, do you mind talking about yourself a little bit and why you chose to become an educator? Hey, thank you so much, Eric, for having me. Um, I'm excited to be with you today. Um, I am from a family of educators, pretty much, and I tried to escape it. And of course, I ended up in education and um, been teaching where I went to school, too. So um, I'm a product of Gwinnett, and I came back to Gwinnett County Public Schools, and um, I just can't escape that either. So, um, But Gwinnett's been so good to me, and um, I'm just proud to be from Gwinnett and be an educator, and I'm just happy to be here. I went to West Georgia, and then... Um, Went to pretty much every school in Georgia for the most part, I guess. West Georgia, Georgia College, Georgia Southern, all the things. So um, just grateful to be here. So I know that recently Gwinnett County Public Schools is recently chosen as a Forbes America's Best Employers, coming in at number 62 out of over 1,400 employers. So congratulations, first of all. That's really exciting. At At a macro level, can you talk a little bit about to what you attribute this award um, what what is setting you apart from other employers in terms of being able to receive this award? Yeah, that's a great question, and thanks for bringing it up. Um, so I honestly, as we know, everything rises and falls on leadership, and I think we have great leadership structure in our district. Um, we have had a great history of leadership, and now with Dr. Watts as our leader, you know, we're in a time of change and transition, but um, the leadership has stayed just ahead of the game and um, very much stable and also a type of leadership that really empowers other people at all levels to step into um, what we are called to do and what needs to be done and really gives people the opportunity to grow and thrive and develop our, our develop our staff development department in Gwinnett is insane. It's so robust. They help develop all staff members from custodians to teachers to admin. Um, We have a a top tier leadership development program and just at all levels, I think everyone talks to each other pretty well. And um, even though it's big, the organization is really tight. And, um, And then there's also something to say about school autonomy. So even though since we are big, there is a place for that school autonomy piece because every school is so different. And so I think there is that great balance here of um, good organizational structure and then also that school autonomy piece and then those bridges built in between. Yeah. Yeah, I know that Dr. Watts and your chief human resource officer, Kathy Harden, they talk about a lot of things, empathy being one of those. And I'm sure you hear the word empathy oftentimes. Um, I've also heard culture of belonging as part of the press um, and being people first. 
So are there any examples of those that really come to mind, either empathy or culture of belonging? So again, this kind of sets you apart from other districts. And, and you've talked so far about autonomy. You've talked about you know, the leadership. Are, are there any specific examples you could think of that really focus on this idea of being people first? Yeah, so there's a lot. Um, I think the, like I mentioned before, with the development piece, I think if we can skill people well where they are, that gives people the confidence to continue to stay and then grow where they are and also pour that into other people. So that's a huge piece of people first. And also like this idea of you're, you're seen as a person in this very large district and you're seen enough for us to invest in you and your growth and development. There's so many other uh, ways of feedback to be given in our district, whether you're a teacher or you're a local school administrator or a student. Um, there's a student advisory committee for Dr. Watts. There's a teacher advisory committee and a leadership advisory committee. Um, so at all levels, there's this opportunity for feedback. And then also for the community, there is a thought exchange um program that the district uses to hear from the community and other stakeholders around curriculum that's being brought up or around um, really anything that's happening in this time of change. And so I think one thing that we really learned from COVID is that communication is so important and just over communication. And so I really am thankful for Dr. Watson, his leadership and, and Chief Harden for her leadership as well to continue that that open communication for all stakeholders in the district. And I think um, that grows empathy for each other. And it's that modeling from the top down that is important for if Dr. Watts is eliciting feedback from every stakeholder, then everyone else could be doing that too in their sphere of influence. Yeah. And that goes back to the idea you'd mentioned, you know, everybody is seen as a person. I can't imagine. So you have about 23, 24,000 employees. How do you make every one of those feel seen? Because such a such a critical component of teacher retention, of staff retention, is people want to feel heard, supported, and valued. They want to be seen. They know that their contributions are impactful. But how do you do that when you have so many people within an organization? Yeah, great question. I think that is something that we're always working on because we are so large. And in this time of change, it can be easy for people to kind of get lost in the shuffle. But with the people that I've come in contact with and that I've had the pleasure of working with, like like Chief Harden and like Dr. Watts and then everyone in between and, and definitely local school principals that we have who are amazing, um, I think they all want that. And in that empathy realm, they want that. They've experienced it. And so that compels them to then do that. And so I think it's that charge from leadership um, and that's modeling that best practice of doing that, celebrating people when you have the opportunity, and then encouraging someone else to do that as well. So in our leadership development meetings, um, Dr. Watts has begun this Bridge Builder Award where he honors principals who are nominated for building bridges in our district. And so he's just started that. And so that then compels other people to do the same. And, and then I think it's just little things like um, – just encourage, we have shine cards that, you know, just sending each other little like thoughts of like, Hey, I see, I've seen you do this great thing. Great work. Keep it up. And then, um, you know, larger, you know, more on the stage things. And then really that social media push too. There's lots of social media push to highlight students doing a great thing and teachers doing great things, custodians doing great things, AAs, everybody in between. So social media can kind of seem like a small piece, but I think, you know, obviously it has great impact too to, to, leverage that. 
Yeah, and you can share that with the entire world then. And so what happens is you're you're essentially collecting stories, right? And then you're sharing those stories with the world. And humans have been sharing stories for thousands of years. That's the main mode of communication early on. And I think sometimes that gets lost, especially with just the busyness that is education. I'm a former principal myself. And every day it's just, it's fire after fire that you try to put out. And it's so hard to get ahead of the stories like this. But if you can stop and step back and say, you know, and really realize and recognize all of the amazing things that are happening, it doesn't take long to tell your people, hey, I, I want you to nominate somebody for going above and beyond, for example, for being a culture champion, really living out the core values of the organization. Sometimes it's hard to sustain that, right? Because again, there are fires that you're putting out all the time. But storytelling is such a critical part of a critical component of the employee experience. Because you're just you're relating to one another, you're you're surfacing these great things that are happening. Yes, such a great point, and um, I think it does captivate us, and it personalizes and humanizes each other. Because um, you know the public school atmosphere can get political sometimes, but if we can celebrate those stories and humanize people, I think that does build those bridges, create that belonging, and help everyone see maybe a little piece of themselves in each other, building that empathy and um, leading to us to a space where we can be more proactive instead of reactive in the current situations that we find ourselves in sometimes with in the public education world. Um, great point. I love the storytelling piece. So Rebecca, I know you spend a lot of your time focused on teacher retention and specifically around making space and opportunity for teacher leadership development across your district. So I, I love on LinkedIn, you have a teacher leadership Tuesday post where you're sharing best practices. You're sharing, here's what people are doing to develop leadership within our teachers. Out of all the possibilities of what impacts teacher retention, you're focused on teacher leadership. Why, why is that? Yeah, thank you. Um, so I know personally, just my story, I know I get to be where I am today because of my opportunities I had as a teacher leader um, from when I first started in a middle school, you know, just as a new new teacher to going to the high school that I taught at and um, the opportunity as teacher of the year to be able to have my voice even more elevated. And for me, teacher leadership comes down to elevating the voices of the teachers to allow them to have that impact on the decision making that happens every day. I say that the, the instead of just saying like the answer is in the room, you know, but the answer is in the classroom. We have so many issues in public education. And I know that we have teachers every single day solving these problems, sometimes more than one at a time in the classroom on a daily basis. And if we can just elevate their voices in the conversations around the decisions that are being made, then we won't have to be spinning our wheels and feel like we're recreating the wheel and like testing stuff out. Like it's already being done in the classrooms of these phenomenal teachers that we have in our district and across the state. So if we can elevate the voices, um, in the decision-making, then the teachers will feel like they have a relationship more so with their leadership and that they have a responsibility more so with the school that they are connected with and the district so that then they'll return or we'll have that retention piece. You know, high achievers attract high achievers. So if we can keep our high achievers, if we can invest in them, if we can elevate their voices, then um, they'll attract more. So it's a recruitment thing too, you know, um, then they'll also stay at their local school, but feel that value and know they're valued. Um, so they'll stay at their local school, but also still be able to have that impact district-wide and maybe even statewide. Yeah, it's really interesting because I, I've talked to several former educators in the podcast so far, 
And so many times the reason that they left education, it's, you know, their principal was micromanaging them or they had a lot of stress. There was too much on their plates. And what I heard you say is we want to make sure that we have relationships and responsibility for teachers. So when I hear that, my mind kind of goes to, well, isn't that more responsibility then for teachers? So you have the day-to-day operation. You have the day-to-day. There's grading, lesson planning. But now you're asking teachers to be a leader. Is that not adding more to their plates? Why is that such a big deal for teachers? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because I get that question a lot. Um, And I think when I think about my own experience and the experience I've had working with teacher leaders and building their own capacity, um, I was that teacher that said yes to everything. Like I coached cheerleading and I had no business doing that. Okay. Um, I will be your biggest cheerleader, but I'm not a cheerleader. Okay. So teacher leaders say yes to everything. And so there, and especially like this year, there's so much on people's plates. And so it's a great point to make because, um, you know, I'm also big on the teacher burnout in that space too. And I think what we can do and what was helped, what helped me and what's helped, um, other teachers that I've kind of been pouring into is just this concept of prioritization and teachers are in this seat now where they can say, these things on my plate give me life. These things kind of take the joy out. And I love the Patrick Lencioni's um, six geniuses of six working geniuses, where you can kind of go through his process and say, like, these two of the six give me like this excitement about the work I do. These two I can do give or take. And then these two really bring out the frustration in my life. So if we can walk teachers through that and say, like, what do we need to take off our plates? What do we need to pause? What can we add? that could bring you that help you function in that space of excitement and joy again and help kind of revive you in this space of education um, to kind of shift your perspective a little bit in your daily tasks, then that is something that only adds to someone's life in a positive way instead of kind of like sucks the life out of you. So I think it's all about that prioritization, which is a teacher leadership competency. Um, I had a conversation with a teacher leader who I love and adore, and she was on my new teacher team at my school that we, that I worked at before I came to the district and she was sitting in the meeting crying for trying to plan for a new teacher. She's crying and crying because she keeps getting piled on and piled on. But all she really wanted to do was teacher was new teachers and ESOL or multilingual learner um, building. But all this other stuff kept getting piled on her. And so we just had to have this conversation of we need to step back from these other things you're doing so that you can pour yourself into what you want to do. And so when we were adding basically ESOL department chair to her, that didn't take the life out of her. It was this other stuff that came out of the frustration. So if we can help teacher leaders prioritize what they are doing, because maybe what makes me frustrated gives another teacher life, you know? It has to be that equitable conversation with all the teachers in your building because some teachers you would have never thought would be interested in teacher leadership or be interested in growing in that way. But maybe that person gets life from my frustration. And we can have that conversation amongst all of the teachers involved so that we're not all feeling overwhelmed and frustrated. That's amazing. And I, I love the idea. We talk a lot about autonomy and how teachers need to be able to make their own decisions, have a lot of, of impact on the decision making what oftentimes happens, though, is the building level principal, people like me get in the way, right? Because as a principal, you know, there are certain demands placed on me from above. I also understand, you know, some things maybe outside of the context of what a typical teacher would know, uh, parent situations from the past, for example. How do we make autonomous dis- decision-making teachers 
But yet the principal is the one that ultimately grants that or doesn't grant that. Any school that I go into work with, I talk to the principal first and I say, tell me your vision and then what are your needs? What do you feel like? What do you think the needs of your school already are? And then I partner with that principal to then send out the interest or teacher leader interest survey to all teachers. And I just continue to have that open conversation with the principal. Ultimately, I see these principals carrying so much and our APs. They carry so much. And if I can encourage them to get to this place of, to get to this place like you were mentioning before of, Let's get to a proactive space um, and then get to those places where we do have to be kind of reactive. If we bring in these expert voices of the teachers, then it really will only support the vision that you have um, as they carry out the details. So like when we're vision casting, we talk about, and, I, and this has been something like, it's about the principle with the vision, but it's a shared vision when the teacher leaders can have an input in how that vision's carried out. And so, um, I think I shared the bake a cake in a box story one time on um, LinkedIn where it's like this company from the 1940s was trying to bake a cake in a box and sell it, you know, but they put every ingredient in the box mix except for the water. You just added water and the psychologist came in and he was like doing the study to see why it wasn't selling. And they realized that the people making the cake mix box had done too much you know? And so now they repurposed it and redid it where they took the egg out and the water. So whoever buys the cake mix box has to add egg and water instead of just water. And so people felt like they contributed more to the cake making. And so the vision didn't change. You know, the vision was still, I need to make a cake as a principal. I need to make a cake, you know? But how it's done, I can allow my teacher leaders to have parts of the ingredients and how that cake is made. And so that partnership is there and there's still that principal vision and leadership, but also that teacher autonomy and taking that. So in practical terms, at my high school I came from, I I love my principal, obsessed with him. He's amazing. Love my admin team. But our new teacher program was, it needed some help. <laughs> and so vision was, let's get these new teachers in to the school. I just said, hey love that I um, am here and I love our new teachers. Can I just take this little piece from you with some admin support and kind of run with it? And so we did. I took that little piece of the cake, you know, and was able to form a team with admin support and create this new teacher program that we are super proud of. But the vision was still the principal's vision. Does that make sense? Mm, Yeah. So is that... I'm trying to think through the lens of a principal now, right? So a lot of the listeners are district leaders, school leaders. So if I don't have anybody like that, if I if there's nobody on my staff that comes to me, nobody, you know, because some people will say, well, we don't have a teacher retention person, so this has to just fall on me. What what can a building level principal do to create that environment if there's not a third party, if you will, coming to them saying, here's what I'm noticing. I, I love your vision. I love the mission behind what you're doing. Let me take over this part of it. How does the principal start if there's not that additional support? Yeah. So I think the principal can just start. So when I partner with the principal, I just have him him or her send out a interest survey, teacher leadership interest survey that has a self-assessment um, using some teacher leadership competencies as the informant of that self-assessment. And the teachers just pick out 
there are six areas of strengths and there are six areas for growth. And, um, and I give that data, I pull that data, organize it and give it to the principal. But this is a very easy tool that really any principal could create themselves, or you can use mine if you want, um, to send out to your whole staff, just as the principal to see who is interested. And I do believe that it needs to be an equitable opportunity for everybody in your building, um, to say, Hey, I am interested in this. And I might be someone that barely can lead myself right now, but it something that I'm interested in. And so you can use that data as the principal to shape your whole school professional learning opportunities, um, to shape individual conversations that your admin has with the teachers in their evaluation conversations um, to say, like, where do you want to grow and how can I support you in that growth this year? And I think those spaces are super powerful because um, someone will emerge. There will be teachers that emerge out of that um, to say, I didn't see this in myself, but you've given me this opportunity to work through this process. And I do feel like there is something to be said as a tapping on the shoulder situation where a principal or an administrator has to kind of come to the teacher, especially in these days when everyone's so overworked and over and just burn out. And, you know, there's just so much going on. There is something to say for a principal or an administrator who has that intentionality about them to say, hey, I see this in you and I want to position and purpose you and, and help equip you to grow into this space, even on the job. So maybe someone's not completely ready to run a team at your school, whether it's an MTSS team or a PBIS team or whatever, but put them in that position in place if they're willing with a supportive admin system Um to, and say, it's okay if this, if you fail at first, you know, we're going to learn from it, rework it, but just giving those people that opportunity to step into this position to grow, um, with your support as the principal or with your support as your admin team is so powerful and will create that culture. Yeah. It's so, so many people miss, so many leaders miss using words to describe, Hey, it's just like you said, it's okay. If you fail, I'm going to be here. We're going to fail on this together. What we're looking for is vision cast. So I'm looking for leaders within our teaching staff to really help us, you know, build this culture. I need some help during this. So that vulnerability and using the words that you're probably thinking is so powerful. And most school leaders just like, so I talk about the, the hero paradox oftentimes for teachers, which is always seen as the one having all the answers. So I can't ask for help because I'm the one that's supposed to have the answers. Same thing happens for school leaders oftentimes too, because parents come requesting principals, cafeteria staff, want, everybody comes to the principal all the time and as, are asking questions. What do I do about this? How should I approach this? Sometimes it's so powerful and impactful to step back and say, you know, here's what we're trying to do together, but I need some help. And Rebecca, for example, I know you're an amazing teacher, an amazing leader. I would love to have you come with me on this journey to figure out what else can we do to serve our teachers? Yes. And I think what you just ended with is how can we work together to figure it out? Because I think what I've learned is that especially through coach endorsement and everything is that leadership really is not about always having the right answers, but just about having the right questions to ask. And so even if you don't have the right answer as a principal, especially in the days that we're living in, you know, I think it's kind of almost more powerful to have that great question to ask um, your teachers and your admin to say like, 
let's go on this journey together. Like you still have your vision. You still know what you want things to look like in your school and in your community, but let's ask the right questions to get us there. And that shows vulnerability. It builds trust. It builds those bridges, but it also helps build other people in the process. I think because good coaching really helps build the capacity of other people who will be loyal to you for life. Yeah, absolutely. So I I know you'd mentioned the six questions. So the six um, positives and six areas for growth per teacher, as I'm starting to think through, you know, how do I create this environment with teacher leadership? What, what other kinds of data do you look at? How, how much of a role does student data play? So I guess my bigger question is when you have this teacher leadership team, how much of it is focused on student achievement versus how much of it is focused on let's create this employee experience That's wonderful for all of our staff because the staff are the ones that influence student achievement. Yeah. So that's what I was just going to mention, you know, all the research, all Hattie, you know, with the research of who's the most impactful on student achievement and that's the teacher, you know? And so the second one and Dr. Matthews, our leadership development um, executive director, he pointed this out at our teachers as leaders retreat a few weeks ago saying, you know, if the most impactful person in the classroom is the teacher, and then the second most impactful person is the principal, then it only makes sense that we would elevate teacher voice in that leadership conversation and really partner the principal and the teacher leader together more because those two are the most powerful on student achievement. And so if we can build those areas for growth in the teacher leaders as they're working to meet needs of their schools, then it would only have, to, in my opinion, more powerful consequences on elev- increasing that student achievement. And so in my process, we send out that survey, the teacher leaders do that self-assessment, and then I take that data and I give it to the principal to inform the whole school professional learning if he or she wants to. But then I go ahead and um, we have a whole group professional learning with the teacher leaders who Uh, participated in the survey. And we just go through a protocol around our four E's for the district, which is like you mentioned, empathy, equity, excellence, and effectiveness, and really categorize the needs of the schools around those four E's. And then they go around another protocol and start identifying solutions around those needs, categorizing those four E's for our district. And then we kind of leave it at that and kind of let them sit in the space of what are they feeling pulled towards to help match their passions or working genius basically with their, with the needs of the school to see what situation they want to partner in or invest in or own to meet a need at the school, but also build their own capacity. Um, And so when we partner those two things, student achievement would be increasing in that process. Yeah, it's a natural domino that falls when everybody else is doing good, positive work and they're feeling good and positive about their work. Students end up doing well because they're supported. They have a teacher that enjoys coming to school in the morning and not having those teachers that are crying and those teachers that are are fully upset. There's too much on their plates. They don't feel like they have that the ability to make decisions like even that environment itself lends students towards wanting to come to school wanting to do well, and then ultimately doing well. So can you peel back the onion a little bit at the district level now? So I'm curious, how how do conversations go as you're talking about teacher leadership with other district leaders? Do you talk about data a lot? You talk about more qualitatively, here's what I'm seeing. How do you plan to support your staff? Yeah, great question. So I'm so thankful. And and in my conversations as you know, Gwinnett Teacher of the Year last or two years ago, now at this point, and then at the state finalist area, I get to really talk to a lot of 
other leaders from other districts, other teacher leaders from other districts. I love all my friends from the other districts and I love working with the DOE, but it really puts into perspective the amazing opportunities that we have in Gwinnett to be in a place that, like I mentioned before, does truly prioritize and is very intentional with developing their people. And so this teacher leadership space is an exciting space to be in right now in our district because it's in a couple of places in our KPIs right now with our with our new blueprint. And so um, I am so grateful I get to work on this piece of the KPIs and the blueprint um, and also with staff development. So I'm technically HR and then staff development is also owning pieces of it. But staff development is now a part of HR in our district organization structure now. And so it's really this beautiful marriage that we're really fleshing out um, with HR's role in that and staff development's role in that. And so we have, you know, Gwinnett is data rich. We have lots of data to pull from. Um, and so there is, and, and right now we are piloting a lot of what I'm talking about, my process, um, and also piloting and partnering with what staff development has already been doing. There's, we already have wonderful spaces to pull data from, like our Teachers as Leaders program, our Teacher Leaders series. Um, we have coach endorsement. We have other mentor, we have something called Mentor Gwinnett, which um, builds teacher leaders to lead new teacher teams at schools. So we have tons of leadership opportunities already available that we can pull data from to see, you know, what we have equipping these teacher leaders already or what we could resource teacher leaders with to grow even more. And then, like, what are our gaps um, and how can we meet the needs in those gap areas? And right now, it's just making sure that we get as many teachers in this space as possible in an equitable way. Um, and so we have lots of conversation right now around that with our leadership development, um, who's also also housed in HR, staff development. Um, we just did, I just partnered with staff development on a um, professional learning opportunity with admin in local schools who are in charge of their staff development at their local schools, really having a good conversation around what is the profile of a teacher leader um, and how we can all kind of have that common language so that we can align our data a little bit better with that and also the supports that we offer. And I know you have a, a teacher leadership pipeline that you're creating. What, what does that look like? So that's an ongoing conversation because there is a other piece to this, which is um, the working condition. So like we talked about before, we have full plates as teachers in schools. So let's prioritize a little bit, figure out what frustrates us, figure out what gives us life. And then there's also the other piece of that, which is those working conditions. How can we, even when we have a teacher shortage, how can we offer a class period or two off so that you can focus on doing fulfilling these duties of your teacher leadership position? How can we compensate these teacher leaders for the work that they're doing? And so um, there is conversation around that too, but it's all in the KPIs as well um, to ensure that this works. And so, and it's sustainable and also keeps our teachers here. So it's, it's an ongoing conversation. I can imagine as big as the organization is, just how many moving parts there are because everything that you do is times 10 or times 20 of a more typically tight size school. So if you start thinking about teacher leaders, you're looking at times 20. If you're looking at how do I find people to fill these open positions, you need 20 times as many as, as others. So I'm sure a lot of it is what are those systems, what are those processes, 
Um, how do I identify the gaps? Once you do identify a gap, how do we know it's the right gap? And then whatever our possible solution is, is making that that progress that we're hoping to achieve. So I, I, the scale, the complexity of scale, I'm sure, um, adds some additional layers. But you also have that many additional minds to go back and reference and people that you can ask questions to and seek solutions from. Yes, yes. And so um, right now, my pipeline is kind of focusing on what those kind of concrete roles are that even though we do have school autonomy, what are those concrete kind of umbrella roles, teacher leader roles that people have in schools? And then how, what would be that compensation scale? Um, what does that look like? How can it transfer to every school so that every school has equitable opportunity for that? So if you have a principal that really cares about this and is on top of it um, versus a school that is a principal would like to be, but doesn't really know what that looks like, you know, so trying to make that scale, like you said, for the whole district in an equitable way, but also still honoring that autonomy is, is, but it's exciting. And getting those voices, like you said, in the conversation around that is so important to me. Um, in HR, we have a teacher leader think tank where we're really fleshing through what some of this looks like and also um, elevating that feedback. So there's a lot of conversation around, you know, what I'm currently working on, what staff development's working on, how we can merge the two, what's working, what's not working, and that scaling piece of how we can really make these working conditions um, sustainable and in a way that keeps these amazing teacher leaders at their schools and valued and um, know that they have kind of this um, this ladder to continue to grow in as a professional. Sure. So I'm curious, as you're, as you're making plans for what you want to do, how, how fleshed out are those plans versus I have an idea, I'm going to try it and then report back to my team. So I guess how, how much do you focus on the strategy, trying to figure it all out first and then versus, I know we have a pocket of need here. Let's go tackle this and then come back and figure out what to do next. So in terms of my strategy or out of- Yeah, okay. yeah. So, um, honestly, I am, my, one of my weaker areas are, is details. So I'm more of like a vision person um, in a big picture. So I'm really trying to be very intentional about details, but that's why I really elicit a lot of feedback. Every time I go into a school, I try to get as much feedback afterwards as possible. Like, how did you feel about this process that we went through? Do you feel like this was an effective protocol to really identify the needs and um, the strengths? But also, I know what my experience was in this district that I love and grew up in, you know, as a child and as a professional. And um, so I'm kind of leaning on my experience and leaning on what I feel like I know I understand and have and I'm like, I feel like I'm not very qualified to do a lot of things, but I do feel like I'm qualified for this part, you know. Um, so and then also I got my specialist in, in teacher leadership. So I feel like I'm leaning on a lot of that approach too. But really just and getting as much and I'm a highly collaborative person. And so I'm trying not to call my co-teacher from my old school as much. I, she's a brilliant mind, Lindsay Davis. I got to shout her out. She is so brilliant in professional learning and like strategy and things. So I try not to call her as much anymore to leave her alone. But I just am trying to be as collaborative as possible up here now with leadership development, staff development, to get feedback from them, to get feedback from 
the teacher leaders and principals that I'm working with to really make this, you know, as best as possible. I've also had conversations with um, people from the PSC, the Georgia PSC. Um, they've looked at my process and kind of given me lots of good feedback. And then GOSA, the Governor's Office of Student Achievement, they've take they've looked at what I've been working on too, and they've given me lots of feedback. So um, I'm trying to, you know, refine this as much as possible so that it's effective and it's valuable, you know, and that it's something sustainable. Yeah. Biggest question, what has been the response of the teachers so far that you're working with? So the teachers have just been very grateful for an opportunity to grow. And like when I think about when I was like a new teacher, I'm like, I would be really nervous about having people in my classroom or like, or really like seeing like what's happening, you know, cause it's, it can be scary, but everyone's so open to this individualized coaching of wanting to grow and get better as a professional. And so after the big group professional protocol that I was talking about, then that next step is just individualized meetings with these teachers to ask. And I just ask them, tell me about yourself and then tell me what your big goals and dreams are as a teacher and teacher leader and how can I support you in getting there? And so these conversations are so exciting. And it's like, I talked to someone the other day and she was like, well, I know I've thought about these things by myself, but I've never really been able to talk to anyone about them before. So she's like, that's really cool. And I was like, I know that is great. So, and I, so it's exciting to kind of see the life come back to their sweet faces, you know? Um, And so it's been really good feedback in terms of the process and, Um, in terms of the hope that it gives, um, the excitement that it's bringing back to the teachers to be able to get on this path of seeing something they know can be effective. Like they have this idea, they know how to meet this need, but now they have someone coming alongside them to say, I want to help you make it happen, you know, and help you grow in that process. And they are so open to it. And I feel very unworthy and very um, anxious about it sometimes because I don't, I want to honor them and I want to honor their experience and their, their hopes and dreams here. So Um, But it's really exciting, and um, I'm excited to continue to grow it and build it with the rest of the district leaders here and the teacher leaders and the principals. Yeah, it's it's amazing what happens when you just talk to people like humans and ask what their goals are and how what can I remove from your plate? What barrier can I remove? Like that's what gets people excited. Is you talked about relationships and responsibility. So by adding both of those together, the relationship is I'm here for you. However, I can support you. Let you know responsibility, they're kind of adding to their own plates because they're interested in impacting others, not just the students in their classroom or their grade level, but across their building. So it's that that relationships. It comes down to treating people like humans and making sure that they know somebody sees them, supports them, appreciates them. So what's one actionable strategy that you hope school leaders take away from this conversation today? Thanks. Um, I think just asking questions and like pausing for a minute. So I know that principals and admin, again, are just so overwhelmed with task, 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 you know, fire, fire, fire. Um, but I think in the process of tasks and fires, if if principals, if I can encourage principals to just kind of be intentional as you're walking around the hallways and just connect with someone, maybe two people today or tomorrow, just two teachers that you don't really connect with that much and say, hey, what are your plans? You know, what do you what do you see yourself doing here at the school? What's a need? Maybe what's a need that you see at the school and how, what are your thoughts around how we can fix it? You know, just those quick questions 
um, in the hallway, making that connection, or even just saying, hey, I see this in you. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for being a thought partner in this, or thank you for supporting the student the way you do, or thank you for supporting this team the way you do. Let's circle back or email me and let's circle back and talk more about this, you know? Walk through the hall intentionally, talk to, connect with two teachers you don't normally connect with and ask them a question about um, their leadership journey. So what about a celebration that you have? I know you were recently nominated or named Gwinnett County Public Schools Teacher of the Year. So congratulations. Thank and a top you. 10 finalist for the state of Georgia. That's amazing. Thanks. Are there any other celebrations that you want to share with the audience today? Um, I just want to celebrate and honor all of our teachers, all of our principals, all of our admin. Um and the work that they're doing every day, it's tough out there, um, but y'all are really carrying this torch, our torch, Gwinnett, that's our torch, of um, public education, which is, you know, so key to the future of where we're going. Um, and so I just honor each person, each leader listening, whether you're a teacher or an AP or a principal, I just honor the work that you do and I celebrate you. Um, and then just a personal thing. Um, my husband is getting promoted as captain this week in his, in the Cherokee County fire department. So we're really excited. Congratulations. That's exciting. Well, Rebecca, I appreciate your time greatly. I know it's Halloween today. You have kids, so I'll let you go here in just a second. But I want to say thank you to you for the work that you're doing and really bringing attention to the idea of teacher retention and how there are some actionable, there are some realistic things that we could do to actually impact teachers. So thank you for the work that you're doing. You're appreciated. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. If you haven't yet today, go thank an educator for all they're doing for us. This has been the Employee Experience and Education Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and don't forget to leave a review. Thanks, and have a wonderful day.